Yo, what up, Nashville 3HL on the air, 104.5 The Zone. Brent Doherty, Don Davenport. Don, what's up? Hi. Happy, what day is it? It's a day. Know. Let's go. It's a, a day, day in L.A. at Radio Row, 104.5 The Zone, going on the road to Radio Row. We are here in Los Angeles. Thanks to Ferguson, HVAC, Two River Sword, and a Moments Peace Salon and Day Spa. Tune in each day. Buck Rising and 3HL broadcasting live from Radio Row with tons of special guests, including one guy. That is sitting at the table. He and Don might get into it a little bit. I don't know. <laughs> Our radio I don't know. Road. We've had like. Uh, you guys are we, getting along too much. We've like yeah. aligned here and there, and, I'm, and I don't know how to handle it. Our radio road coverage brought to you by Ferguson HVAC. Quality products, exceptional service. Two Rivers Ford powered by four driven by people. A moment's peace, Salon and Day Spa, Nashville's only full service salon, Day Spa, and Gift Boutique located in Cool Springs. We also have this guy, Ron Slay. Hey, what's happening? Okay. Honk. A little slow, huh? Yeah. A little slow on the pull up there. I'm in the build. I'm in the build. Come on, huh? We're on the road in the building in he L.A., must, man. He most definitely is in the building. That is Ron. Ronald Sylvester Slay. Yes, sir. We've got Danny Cannell with us. We're going to talk some college football. You got and it. probably hit on the Super Bowl. Danny, what's up? How are you, man? I am great. It's good to see you guys in person. Now I can put, you know, like I can see people because – you know, when you're talking on a phone, it's yeah. hard to connect, and or when you know, you're yelling at people on Twitter. I mean, exactly that too. Or if I like, if I want, see now I'm next to Dawn, so like we get, like I can just wring her neck right now. Like if I, she says something I don't like, we can get into it. I have a question for you guys because I honestly, I've been so just entrenched in Super Bowl radio. Yeah. Is Brian Harson still the coach at Auburn or what? Oh. Like I, I was, I, and I am genuinely asking that question because I can't keep track. Like he's fired one day, he's back. He's, uh, there's a, is there an endorsement or not? Like what is happening? The one constant is he's on vacation. Yeah, yeah. he's on a beach drinking out of a cup. Oh, he's on a boat man. with T-Pain. I don't know. They uh, told him to come back, and he he gave him a nice little. Man. Yeah, he's like, nah, I've, I've I mean, been hustling, you know, working. I'm enjoying my vacation. Doesn't this thing have to be where Auburn is trying to figure out how to fire him with call? It, it that sure feels are? that way, man. I tell you this: the, uh, this aspect of college football, I both love and hate it, yeah. right? Because it's yeah. so it's the nasty side, yeah. which college football fans in general, some conferences more than others, mm. get a little bit crazy. Uh, they become a little bit, you know, like lunatics in their <laughs> fandom for their teams, <laughs> and they'll do whatever it takes to get their way. And now you've got a faction of Auburn fans who want their way, which would be a new direction at head coach, and they will not stop at anything to get there. So here's what I think is disgusting. If the rumors are true, they're disgusting. If the rumors aren't true, it's disgusting. So nobody wins in this situation that's unfolding for Auburn. I mean, I guess Brian Harson wins in the end if he gets paid. If he win, like, yeah, but that's the with cause aspect that right. comes into it. So they're trying to, you know, gin up whatever they can to find out if they can get out of it. But what if they can't? It's like a messy <laughs> divorce, and the fans are the kids. That, yes, what, exactly. Yes, except the kids have way too much say, and they have too much influence. In my in my family, the kids are the last ones we go to. It's like me and my wife. We talk. We'll take some input, but in the end, we're going to do what we want to do. And then there's the other aspect to where I don't know what these uh, participants, what role they play, but boosters. Yeah. Boosters have way too much power and influence. Way too much. Over but that's any school. Absolutely. That's Absolutely. Definitely. It happens Florida at Florida State. State. It happens yeah. everywhere you see it. And if you're an athletic director, you're in this really odd dynamic because you want to keep getting those checks and you want to make them feel good and you want to make them feel like they're a part of the program. And yet sometimes it can be a detriment 
to your school because they come they become so involved and if they don't get their way which i don't think there's a faction of auburn boosters who wanted brian harson and now they're like see i told you so now we got to get rid of them and then you're in this endless cycle this churn of trying to find the next head coach and it just sets you back of where you end in the end want to be which is which is bama because everybody wants to be bama yeah yeah, (laughs) exactly but with with the nil how do you how you keep these boosters Pulled along without them thinking. Man, I just gave you thirteen million dollars. What do you yeah. mean I don't get no say? But right. you really need them now with an Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you've always needed them. Let's be honest. Yeah. yeah. Right? But right. now you really need them. You definitely do. Because it's legal. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And and you're starting to see these collectives pop up, where and you know University of Florida actually has one of the ones that's gotten a lot of attention because. To me, I think there's a lot of fans that would have done whatever it takes to get the five star in, but right. they're like, "Hey, I don't have a bag full of a hundred grand cash to give somebody," and so schools are getting creative and they're have offering monthly subscriptions, mm-hmm. starting as low as five dollars a month to contribute to this fund, which in the end is going to go out to paying NIL fees yeah. to have the player endorse whatever. So you, if you feel like, "Hey, I just want to be a part of it," you can chip in five bucks all the way up to a thousand bucks a month. And then, of course, you'll still have the big boosters that are out there that'll cut whatever check it takes, and and then it's just one mess of a situation. How do we fix it? Oof. What is like? It's how, gone. How we is don't. it regulated, though? How can it, it needs be? to be? And that's the one thing that you know almost every coach I talk to is frustrated by is we need some guidelines. We need, um, you know, we need a calendar because like the transfer portal is another issue that the yep. the teams are struggling with. And you can transfer at any time, which I don't like. And I get I that, it. I get that you want to, you know, player empowerment is a big thing. And there's a disparity between coaches who leave schools and players who leave schools. And I'm glad that players are able to move around more freely now. But it's 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 just no one wins when you see players in the middle of a season that can just pop in the portal. And then after spring football, I think you'll see another kind of mass exodus of. You know, and a lot of times it's quarterbacks, but you lose a position battle, mm-hmm. and so you're not happy, and then you're like, all right, I'll just go in the portal and just and you know transfer somewhere else. Yep. So there needs to be some continuity calendar there. And the NIL, I don't know. I mean, the, the one thing that I think is frustrating for coaches is some schools in some states, you can actually facilitate an NIL deal right. with like the coach can say, hey, I'm you know, hey, I need this guy signed to a hundred thousand whatever it is and you can go all right and you snap your fingers and it happens other schools you can't i'll give you an example that hits close to home because florida state got embarrassed on signing day by travis hunter right. the number one overall recruit going to play for Deion sanders yep. at jackson state and i remember you know talking to mike norvell about it he can't like because i'm sure travis hunter calls him and you know it's a, it's that awkward situation here's what the deal is yeah, yeah. and mike norvell can't say we'll match it or we'll give you a you know we'll bump it up a little bit more it takes time he's got to you know he's got to separate himself so that they don't get uh you know in trouble for doing anything and that and yet my pushback would be well what trouble can you get into the ncaa is powerless and so there's some schools are trying to do it right some schools aren't doing it right and then some schools are allowed to do whatever they want which is really just we need to level the playing field where everybody has some sort of okay this is what you're allowed to do this is what you're not allowed to do but I, to answer your question, Don, I don't know how it gets done because we don't have a commissioner. The NCAA is powerless. We have five Power Five commissioners, and they're all going to do what's in the best interest of their co- conference. We've got politicians getting involved because 
they're trying to change laws. I mean, there are football fans that are politicians that are saying, wait a second, my state, we can't facilitate a deal? Well, we're going to change that. And they are. It's happening in Florida. A buddy of mine, he was a Florida State guy, Chip Lamarca, he's a politician. He's trying to change that because they're sick and tired of looking at other states that are able to do this. So it's a mess. My hope, though, and this is like for the – like I'm a passionate college football fan – is that we still get the great product like we saw this year. Yeah. Because we had NIL all season long, we had Transfer Portal all season long, and we still had maybe one of the best football seasons I've seen in 20 years with the amount of upsets and unlikely stories, and we got new players at the playoff. My hope is that, that the product isn't impacted because it's such a great product, and we have the best fans watching our sport. I just hope it continues, and I think it will, but there's definitely some problems that need to be addressed. Danny Cannell with us at Danny Cannell. Dusty and Danny, Sirius XM, Channel 84, CBSSportsHQ.com. You can find him there. As a former quarterback, which which storyline intrigues you the most? Matt Stafford now with the shot coming off all those those years in Detroit or Joe Burrow in year two taking the world by storm? Brent, I don't think you can lose, like, in this game. If right? you're not a Rams fan, if you're not a Bengals fan, like – they're both incredibly likable stories. Yeah, I mean, Matthew Stafford playing in a wasteland that's Detroit, getting beat up and battered. His wife has battled disease and come back from it. She's a great story. Yeah. He's still, you know, he's humble. Like, he's not, he's not a diva. And then you got Joe Burrow, who's this young, absolute superstar, who I don't know if you guys know. Like, I am fascinated by how he toes the line of being cocky <laughs> And yet being likable because typically in our country, like if you're like Baker Mayfield, right, he's cocky. So he has his haters. (laughs) Almost everybody Burrow like kind of likes him. Yeah. And yet he is cocky. Yeah. But he doesn't cross that line. It's a fascinating dynamic to see unfold. Do you think he tries to play that? Or do you think that's just. I think it's authentic, which is why it works. You know, like him in the purple tinted glasses (laughs) and a reporter (laughs) asked him about it. Like, what's up with the shades? And he's like. I just liked him. You know, like that was, and I think he was right. Now, he might have had an influence. Like, I go back to me, like, when I wore looks that were different. Yeah. Typically, there was a female behind that inspiration, you know. If she said it looked good, I actually did. I actually did. I hate to admit this. I I dyed my hair platinum blonde at one a very low point in my career. Is that picture out there? Can we find it? It exists. Yeah, I've tried to scrub it. It's a little bit hard to find. But the stylist that was doing my hair was super hot. Brad Pitt had just done it. She was like, I think it looked great on you. And so I was like, let's roll with it. And then I got cut three months later, which I still attribute my last snap in the NFL. My career ended because of that horrific decision. So, yeah, it was definitely uh, not good for the career. Well, it's good to see you, man. Uh, Thanks for always being willing to hop on the show. I love it, man. I love Love being on with you guys. You guys are some of my favorites. Just real quick, Danny, on the way out, um, what colleges did the Super Bowl quarterbacks? Oh, here we go. go. Here we go. Just tell me what Well, Burrow Burrow's an Ohio guy uh, who Uh started his uh career at Ohio State and then was stolen by LSU. Wasn't utilized properly and then went and and won a national title where, you know, the real football people knew how to utilize And I'm sure we won't hear any about the SEC ties for the quarterbacks at all, all week. You guys are the best. Thank you. That's like slightly died. There's a better one out there that's worse. Don't worry. We'll put the picture out for you all. All right. Thank you, Danny. At Danny Cadell on Twitter. More from Radio Row in Los Angeles next. Here you tell 104.5 Design.
104.5 The Zone, broadcasting live in L.A. Let me tell you something. It's about, what, Kirby, 47 degrees inside this convention center? Yeah, somewhere in there. It's a little chilly. Outside, 87 degrees and sunny, and there are palm trees and all kinds of things. We wouldn't have an idea. We're grinding, baby. We're grinding. Solomon Wilcott's coming up. He's a former Bengal. We'll talk with him about the Super Bowl. But uh, I let, think so, of him as a former Pat. Well, he played DB for Cincy. And then they do. Don't like, you put him with the Pats? I, I would, but he, since he does the podcast with, um, you know, based around Cincinnati, I kind of. Yeah. Here they come right now. Yep. Um, so last night we get in, and uh, literally, I feel so bad for this parent. There was a screaming child on our plane for Ooh, four hours the uh, entire time. Like that like, was amazing. No, it wasn't screaming; it was shrieking. It, that, yeah, and your but girl listen. has traveled with a baby a lot. Mm-hmm. I get it. So, the commitment to go the entire way was really something to be celebrated i think what for the child to (laughs) go five hours of straight i just wanted to pick up said child and like oh i don't know do something it slowed down as soon as we were about to um hit the ground once they i heard them say 95 miles out it wasn't as bad i'm like no keep it going so don't don't slow down now so we land we get out of the airport we forget something at the airport so we have like a paul mason's probably hearing this for the first time right Like, like our 3hl banner is at LAX right now. Somebody forgot that. <laughs> I'm blank Who forgot that? Who was yeah. in charge of that? So then we I was in charge of checking it in. Uh-huh. But so, if you check it in, you're in charge, It was right? set in front. It, in the meeting, it was set in front of the mayor. Oh. That is right. Wait, you were in no, there. See, Who checked it at the airport, though? That, that would be it. Ronald Slay. <laughs> hey, I don't even remember to check in, so... Yeah. This is why I just need to freaking be in charge of everything, right? right? Oh, cool. Pretty much. Probably, yes. Um, so we get to the hotel. and What's up, Solomon? What's, what's happening, up, man? How are you? Yeah, all right. Doc, what's up? How are you? Um, so we're telling our story about getting into L.A. last night. So we get into the hotel. It's like one fifteen Central Time. No, it's like 2 o'clock Central yeah. Time. Yeah. And Slay had delivered world. What is it? Worldwide, Worldwide tacos. tacos. The best tacos you will ever eat in your entire life are made right here in L.A. Ain't no doubt yeah. about that. That's, Do like, you know them? <laughs> I don't know about those, you know that specific taco. You know taco are made, but I'm, just born, I'm, I'm born and raised in L.A. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh. You get a taco around here. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, we, we that's what we specialize mm-hmm. in. We <laughs> we can do a taco. Yeah, it it was by far the best taco I've I'm ever had in my entire ding, life. Ding, ding, ding. Like two hours later, I was still texting the boys about it. I'm well, like, I can't stop thinking about this taco. So cool. Well, we needed, we needed something to wash down the taco, so uh, we might have had a bottle of something that Kirby had delivered, but we needed a mixer. So literally me and Slay, as we did in New York, when we got yeah. to New York, we're walking the streets of L.A. at like 2.30 in the morning, streets, which is right. not, not probably a smart it's thing. Streets. Not downtown. No. <laughs> hey, we made it. Like, nah. We made it. It's much better now. Solomon Wilcox uh, joins us now. Solomon, great to have you on. We had you on a couple a couple weeks ago uh, yep. before the uh, Bengals-Titans matchup, um, and it went about like you said. Yeah, you uh, guys are laughing at me, man. I was taking body blow. <laughs> pow, pow. I was like, oh, oh, oh. Dom was off that time. I, so. I was going to say, I was off, so I missed all of this. Yeah. Oh, they uh, were – Hey, they were wearing me out, man. I can Listen. tell you, they were like, they just knew that number one seed was going to do all the work. Yeah. 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 You think yeah. about that watching also, the game? God, that 
that Nashville station? Man, were they wrong. Yeah, Wilcox, <laughs> Wilcox was like, well, you know, if this happens and this happens, Cincinnati will win this game. We're like, yeah, great. Okay, moving on. <laughs> now, uh, no, that was a, I mean, Titans fans are still upset about I that know, game. Man. <laughs> listen, I, I still – listen, I, and I appreciate Mike Vrabel. I think he's a – He's a great coach. Not a yeah. good one, but a great one. I think he teaches the game the right way. Yeah. And he, even he was looking stunned at that scoreboard in the final second. He was like, yeah. are you kidding me? <laughs> yeah. Are you kidding? I could just see it. Are you kidding me? How did this team come in here and beat us? It wasn't supposed to happen. It wasn't supposed to happen, man. It just, but there, that, this is what I tell people all the time about the NFL. This ain't no best four out of seven kind of deal. Right. We don't play no series. Right. We play one day. Yep. And on any given day, right. I'm telling you now, anything yeah, can go down. That's yeah. a beauty Especially sport, if right? we pick you off on the first play of the game. Man. Yeah, yeah. Now, Open up like this. Yeah, see, and that, you know what that did? It hijacked the crowd. Yeah. It hijacked the confidence of the yeah. opposing team. That's called like in a boxing match. It's like coming out, bam, hitting yeah. them in the mouth. Yeah. Right? You yeah. just hit them in the mouth, and now they're like, huh, huh, everybody like playing on the heels right. now. Everybody knows that when Jesse Bates intercepted that first pass of the game by Ryan Tannehill, the entire crowd for the rest of the day had Anjana. Couldn't quite breathe. What was about to happen here? I mean, but that's how it happened. That's how you go into someone else's place and beat them. It's about momentum, and it's about stealing that energy that they normally use to play bully ball themselves. So See, and this is a great segue into what you've got going on today. That's you've right. got a guest with you. And I hey, think man. Titans fans collectively needed one of these bio-heart machines. They did. Right? They really did. All season long, actually. They yeah, <laughs> really probably, did. Because the, the post was at a whole nother level. And uh, I'm right now, I'm joined by the architect and the inventor of the bio-heart heart monitor. Well, Koss, tell them about the bio-heart heart monitor and and just how much information that you can share with your doctor and really help you if you're someone who has suffered from a, a cardio event. Thanks, Alvin. Thanks for having me, guys. Uh-oh, hang on. Let's hang on. let's make sure we got your mic on. Come on, Kirby. Kirby Kirby's turn him up. Turn him up. Turn him up. Turn the doctor there up. There you go, doc. Uh, he's thanks. In, hey, he's doc. clearly the smartest guy he's sitting here right now. <laughs> he's so. too well-dressed to not have a mic. Let's go. Yeah, well, thanks, Alvin. Thanks for having me, guys. Um, yeah, so, you know, a little bit just about biotricity. We're a medical device company, and our yeah. product's actually used by 1,500 cardiologists. And what we found is that, you know, it's the number one killer, but um, cardiac uh, patients and people with risk, they don't actually have something to monitor them for personal use. You know, sports fans, you have athletes that actually have um, intermittent or asymptomatic issues, and they drop in the field. And so we took all our medical technology and converted it into a monitor that you can wear and collect days, weeks, months, years of data, as opposed to, like, something on an Apple Watch, which is 30 seconds of data. So it, this is a lot of prevention taking place right here. Exactly. Yeah. It's exactly prevention. And, you know, one of the things that people don't realize is that a lot of this stuff, you know, that's why they call it the silent killer. Nobody right. actually knows what's happening. Yeah. Um, and so if you have a device that can actually collect long-term data, you can actually see that information. And you can okay. actually go back in time. Otherwise, it's like... Do you like, have it on, Solomon? I have the heart monitor on. Nice. And you're looking at the app. It's on my cell phone. Mm. And I can literally record on my cell phone, right? It's like an EKG. Yeah. And I can Looks record like that data. And then I can share it with my physician, right? So I don't have to wait to, like, go to the doctor's office saying, hey, here's what I experienced, here's what I felt like. And then if I don't feel that way, if I feel better while I'm at the doctor's office, 
He's just going to say, okay, well, let me know if it happens again. Well, I may not be back ever again. Right, so, if but, something's really yeah, wrong. Yeah, this is going to allow me to record the data, what's going on, and we need long periods of information. Like you said, some of these episodes happen intermittently, I mean, every now and then. Mm-hmm. And so I can record this and share that data with my doctor. This is phenomenal um, remote biometric monitoring. It's Probably phenomenal. good for people, too like me, who have anxiety and panic attacks and stuff like that to kind of determine if it's something, like, serious or... If it's more physical or psychological, right? yeah. Absolutely. Does it matter for age uh, or or does it? Because a lot of high school students you see falling out. You laugh because you know it's true. I had a a part of mine that um, coached with me, and one of his kids collapsed on the floor, and they had no idea who was in great health, but... No, that's exactly right. Actually, you know, it's we designed it so it's actually better for both older. So the bigger problem is older generation and younger generation gotcha. because they're not just compliant. They don't want to wear anything that's a medical device that people can see. So yeah. we made it, you know, you can't tell that somebody's wearing it. It's a strap. You just go about doing your, you can go play soccer, go play football, do whatever right. you're doing, and it's collecting the data. So gotcha. Bioheart.com is the uh, website there. So Solomon Wilcox, uh, as a former Bengal, um, w- which fan base is going to, need to hit this uh, biohard.com web, <laughs> website uh, in this game coming up this weekend. It might be good for all of them to wear during during the game because I think it's going to be that kind of game. Remember Zach Taylor, head coach of the Cincinnati Bengals, was standing next to Sean McVay in 2018 when they lost in the Super Bowl to the Patriots. And then uh, just a week after that, he was hired as the head coach of the Cincinnati Bengals, um, lost a lot of games over his first two years, including last season with Joe Burrow, where he only had him for the first 10 games. Um, but Zach Taylor has really grown as an excellent play caller. Um, he really has his finger on the pulse of his football team. He was right here in L.A., so he kind of knows the yep. lay of the land, right, where the traps are, tell his players, yeah. stay away from there, yeah. don't go hanging <laughs> out with those guys yeah, downtown getting tacos, yeah. right? And, uh, in the morning. But, but no, this, this is going to be a good game because you guys know this. I think Titans fans know this. You can sack Joe Burrow, but it don't mean you can beat him, right? Mm -hmm. I've never seen a guy who literally manages a game in a way where he'll take a sack before he throws a pick. He'll take a sack on first down knowing he still has two downs to get another first down. He ain't taking a sack on third down. I saw him manage a game in a way that I never saw a young quarterback. Most guys, you know, get sacked that much. Dude, they're rattled. Mm -hmm. They're shook. They ain't shaking that off and still coming up, making plays, throwing the football. But he took some of those sacks. All nine of those weren't on the offensive line. Right. Okay. But he knew the complexity of that Titan secondary. And, um, you know, <laughs> hey, Bayard knows guys, they're really good on the back end of that defense. You don't just throw it carelessly into that secondary. Yeah. So he was going to take the sack, knowing it's first down, I'll come back on second and third to convert and get a new set of downs. That That's – that's operating at a whole nother level of understanding how to manage a ball game. I do know this. He came from behind on the Chiefs week 17, three times down 14 points. Yeah. In the AFC Championship game, he came back down 18 points on the road at Arrowhead. Not an easy place to play. No. This guy's got greater poise than you would ever think, and he plays from the neck up as good as any quarterback I've ever seen two years into his career. So, so what is it? Let me ask you, what is it that's driving him? We understand Joe Burrow. We understand his defense is pretty good, especially in the trenches. But what is it that's driving him? Uh, is it the coaching? 
when you look at them and, and you think about the game and they maybe get too cute or maybe outcoach themselves as far as the opponent goes. And then you look up, man, you're in a dog fight. You're like, like you said, Mike Vrabel looking at the clock like, hold on, wait, what, what happened to the time? So what is it with Cincinnati? What's putting them over the hump? If you look at the postseason games, there are three playoff games. Every last one of them ended with the Bengals defense coming up with an interception. Yeah. Right? Got one off Derek Carr, closed it out. Got one off Tannehill at the end of the game, closed it out. Got one off Patrick Mahomes, end of the game, closed it out. So when you do that and you have a quarterback that manages a game in a way that he's going to set you up next thing you know, he's sticking in the dagger, they have a field goal kicker that has kicked four field goals in each one of their three postseason games. That dude is putting in work, and he's just a rookie. And he's very confident. He's very confident. (laughs) And so 12 points a game just in the kicking game. So it's enough, man, it's enough to turn things into the favor of the underdog. It's just you don't have to be a world beater. All I got to do is be better than you on that day. And the Rams are beatable. I I don't know why everybody's sitting around here acting like Rams. (laughs) Greatest show, you know, at SoFi. (laughs) I mean, but they're the Rams. I respect the Rams. They are a good team. But we saw them take their lumps this year. Yeah. Your Titans came up in here on a Sunday night game, and Jeffrey Simmons just put it on them. Kevin yeah. Byer put it on them. Yeah. They're beatable. Why are we sitting there acting like this is an impossible thing? Yeah. We need to just play this game today and get it over with. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you're ready, man. I want to go back to, to the Zach Taylor McVay mm-hmm. kind of connection. Because you mentioned it. You know, he was standing right next to McVay That's right. last time in the in the big game. Yep. So how much of an advantage is that, do you really think? I mean, from, from the outside, we can say, oh, it's an advantage. He knows how he thinks. He yeah. knows how he play calls. He knows, yeah. he knows all of that. But on the inside, how much of an advantage is that for Zach Taylor, even if it's just a, a mental of McVay maybe thinking, okay, well, he knows this is what I like to do. This yeah. is my tendency. Do I need yeah. to change it? Good coaches, uh, they understand X's and O's, so they understand tendencies, right? That's what, that's what you kind of just described. But really, really good coaches understand psychologically how you tick, what makes you tick, how you think, what are the things you're most concerned about, what are the things that you would do in certain situations, are you, pro, are you protective or are you proactive? Spend enough time with someone, you get to understand what, how they think, what the psychology is, and it is that kind of information, that kind of data, right, that allows you to leverage I think um, the ability to put together a game plan that will attack certain areas and make you think. I'll give you one. In a game like this, every coach, because you have two weeks to prepare, you should have a trick play. If you don't have a trick play, you should have a play in in the game plan that you have not run all season long because you got two weeks to practice it. You can't do this during the regular season yeah. when you only have one week. So you got two weeks, You should have, and you better run it early in the game. Right? When people are least expected. Right? Late in the game, when the game is on the line and critical moments occur, it's like, okay, watch out for this, watch out for that. Early in the game, people don't know what to watch out for. Because at, at that point, you're still getting a feel for the game. Right. So that just gives you an idea. Uh, and knowing how that other guy thinks, that's where I would look to implement that play based on what my read is on that other opponent and on that coach psychologically. 
Solomon Wilcox, Emmy award-winning broadcaster at Solomon's Wisdom, former Bengal DB, and uh, does a podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. With we Adam. had Blaine, we had our boy Blaine Bishop on there. Yes, you yeah. did. Prior to the game, they laughed at me too, just like you guys. Did. She well, didn't. She didn't. You I was off. We we get to talk with your co-host tomorrow, yeah. Adam Pacman Jones. Here yeah, oh, you gonna love that? Hey, listen, that's man. my boy. Y'all remember Adam? Y'all remember? Oh, yeah, that's Pac- my man. That's yeah, my man. He yeah. um he Facetimed me before okay, the game started. Cool. It was after it was after the interception though, yeah. and we made a bet. So I owe my Jeff Ruby State. Oh, you gotta but, get him down he there. He wrong. For FaceTiming me and making me do that after the pick. I know. Sucking me in, that ain't right. That ain't that's right. Atlanta stuff, that man. That's right. Atlanta stuff. Thanks for having us, yes, guys. We you appreciate you. Thank, thank you, Let, thank you Doc. Tell everybody they can go to www.bioheart.com if you want to take a look at this heart model. You have someone that you're concerned about, family, friends, a loved one. This is a excellent device that will give you peace of mind. Available without a prescription, too, which right. is great. Uh, bioheart.com. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. Thank Thanks. you, guys. Thanks. All right, there you go. Uh, big game coming up this week. Aaron Taylor, former Notre Dame star, will join us uh, when we come back. We'll talk college football in the NFL with him. 3HL broadcasting live from Radio Row in advance of Super Bowl 56 on 104.5 The Zone. Oh, round and round, round we go. 3HL, little L.A. flavor. Tupac there for you. It's the only way. Harder than ever. There goes Jimmy White. Look at that. I mean, just superstars walking to the L.A. Convention Center. I took a picture of him. He's got two pencils sticking out of his visor. (laughs) He is working, man. (laughs) Ready to get to it. (laughs) Two turntables and a microphone. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I know Derek Henry will be here tomorrow. Yep. Yep, yep. We've heard some other Titans maybe walking through uh, at some point. The commissioner, Roger Goodell, uh, the NFL will play in Germany the next four years. They'll play in Munich in 2022. They'll play in Munich twice and Frankfurt twice. They'll also play in Mexico next season. But you know what, man? Germany, uh, even when I was over there playing, they had a football league started. Germany. So it was um, – Guys that all guys were, the Frankfurt Galaxy, remember them? Yeah, I do. When they were off, they would always they, we would always be like, man, dudes, these dudes look big. What are they doing in Milan? And they'd be like, man, we had a weekend off, so they came over to hang in Milan. Try to come kick it with some hoopers. So when they basketball like. players and football players meet up, is it like uh, kind of like uh, Anchorman and like there's this it, big brawl? It can be. It can be. <laughs> we, we, I mean, it, it depends. It depends. So, I, I, but the good thing is. We always we always get along, especially linemen and bigs. Well, that's good because you're related to one. <laughs> yeah, that, that's true. Uh, we we're ran into we ran into Anthony Munoz and Michael Munoz. We're going to talk with those guys, I think, tomorrow. Um, and uh, Michael was there when you were there. Right? Yeah, that's my guy, man. And Michael was there with a brief hangover with uh, your brother Ramon, right? Yeah. Yep. When Ramon was coming, he wasn't hung over. Out. Will Bowling, oh four, good lord. Ramon came in oh four, um, and then, yeah, um, Munoz went out in oh four. So there you go, they crossed paths. But then I caught Munoz a little bit of his career. He, uh, I mean, he had some injury things, and yeah. that, that's what derailed yeah. everything. But gosh, that dude was such a talented football. Oh, that that their um their bloodline, dude. They they got some players. Uh, Albert Breer with the story. Don saw this earlier today. Check this out. 
We're about to go through Pro Day World, um, which, Day. you know, is quarterbacks throwing to their receivers and oh, they complete yeah. 89 of 87 passes somehow. And but that's going to happen. But the plus of the Pro Day is NFL scouts and these teams get that one-on-one time with right. these guys too. So, yes, they get to see them work out, but even more than that, it's the chatting with the coaches, chatting with the staff, chatting with the players, all of that. So what's the problem that surfaced today, Don Davenport? See, what had happened was, um, <laughs> so Ole Miss Pro Day scheduled for March 24th. Um, yeah. Quarterback March Matt 24th. Corral, great right? Day. Great. Yeah. Good. Okay, no big deal. Well, guess what? Cincinnati and Liberty's Pro Days are scheduled for March 24th. Mm. Who's one of the big-time Cincinnati guys? Desmond Ritter. Who's the big-time Liberty guy? Oh, that would be Malik Willis. So Willis, Ritter, Corral, all at the same time, all throwing on the same day for Pro Day, and NFL teams are not happy about it. And they're not happy about it. And they, I mean. I get it. Look, and all these guys that have, have egos and stuff like that, and, and you know, every university thinks they're they're uh, you know more powerful than the other, and, and all of those things. So, you know, nobody wants to move, be the one to move off that date, right? Right. Right. But you need to. Well, because guess what? It's not about you. It's about these kids and their opportunity, and it's about the giving them. The most eyes on them, the most people to talk to them, giving them the best opportunity to to be drafted and move to the next level, right? Yep. Lane Kiffin, it's not about you. Hugh Freeze, it ain't about you. Like somebody switch your freaking pro day. Man, you almost I can't dump you. So much passion. <laughs> Aaron Taylor true, though, sits right? down. Jeez. What 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 did I step into? Hi. So a hot box. Let's get your take on this. So the news came down. Aaron Taylor joins his former Notre Dame star, Super Bowl champ with the Packers, NFL stud, at Aaron Taylor, CFB. The news came down today that uh, Liberty, Ole Miss, and Cincinnati, and Cincinnati are all going to have their pro day on the same day, March 24th. So what? NFL executives are upset about that. Oh, my God. Because those are three of the stud quarterbacks, right? Like, and I get that this, this quarterback class people view, like, down here, whatever. But right. – they're going to be first-round quarterbacks taken, right? Like, so you need to evaluate this class. Isn't that weird? It is weird, but I, I think college football, it, it's uh, uh, it, one of the problems that we have in our sport is that everybody's out for themselves. Now, when you're scheduling these things, you're working around a bunch of different stuff, and you got to slot it in for what makes sense for you and what your spring football schedule is and who's going to be in town recruiting and all those sorts of things. But, again, part of the problem we have as a sport is that there's no unification. There's no one voice. Everybody's about themselves, and we've seen that on the Power 5 level. We've seen that within the Power 5 level, the alliance that the, the, the ACC and the Pac-12 and the Big Ten have made to try to compete with the SEC because they're worried about Oklahoma and yep. Texas coming in. It's like it's a hot mess, man. So to me, this is just emblematic of an, uh, uh, of an even bigger problem that we have within our sport and that that's that there's no unity in something that's supposed to celebrate tradition and rivalry and pageantry and togetherness. Yeah. Speaking of all those things, I'm glad you sat down. Um, so this <laughs> is this is not going to come off the way that I want to because Notre Dame has been really, really good and playing at a high level lately. Oh, I'm bracing but, myself. But, no, 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 Aaron. Yeah, it's, it's, it's already Aaron, bad. It's already Aaron, bad. People our age, like, 
Notre Dame was like this mythical thing, right? So I'm curious, like, how much did it mean to you to put that Golden Dome helmet on the first time? How much did it mean to you to take that first snap why at are, Notre Dame? Why are you walking me down the road of what the <laughs> hell happened in Notre Dame? Like, that's what he's doing. No, no, right no. Now. It's a no. tee up. Yes, it is. It is. I mean, it's we'll get to Brian Kelly and dancing at LSU and all that See? stuff. No, I'm just saying, as a college football fan, I always wondered, like, what was that like? Mm. It, it's a tee up before I get kneecapped. I know. I'm familiar with um, it. Man, I got to tell you, like, running out of, of the tunnel yeah. and tapping the play like a championship. You know, the play like a champion today sign. Like, that moment for me as a true freshman underneath the lights yeah. against Michigan. It was the first night game at Notre Dame in 1990 for, in, like, 30-plus years. We had to bring lights in. There's no lights at Notre Dame mm-hmm. Stadium. So, like, that moment, and I had somehow worked my way up to the second team as a true freshman. I think it was more because the guy in front of me was a fifth-year senior that my coach didn't like, and he was trying to send a message. <laughs> but regardless, I got to dress. Whatever. Right? Whatever and, and, works. And I ran out on the field, and I'm like, it's night. And I'm looking, and it's in pregame, and I see those ugly-ass helmets of Michigan, and I'm like, I'm on the field. Like, that's Michigan. Like, they're there. Like, I'm here. Like, it was a surreal moment of, like, I'm actually here. Like, this is going to happen. And then it was like, oh, dear God, I hope I don't have to play today. Like, don't put me in the game. I was so nervous. But we came back, and Rick Meyer ended up on the cover of Sports Illustrated, Golden Boy, and that famous pose that he had. And um, the thing that was memorable about that moment for me, and it's great that you asked me that question, we came back into the locker room, and it was a last-minute drive. We scored right before the game ended to take the lead. And Holtz brought us all up, and we're all celebrating. We're 1-0. and And he says, see, if you follow the plan, we'll never no. lose a game in no. your stadium. No. Follow the plan, man, and you will go undefeated in Notre Dame Stadium. Oh, my gosh. And that was the moment we all bought in, hook, line, and seeker. He had this plan on how we win. We got out hit in the seven areas. Don't turn the football over. Special teams, missed assignments, blah, blah, blah. But that was like it was an iconic moment for me. On so many different levels, especially because I was 17 years old and didn't know what the hell I was doing. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> it's it's so funny because my kid just got back from an official visit in Charlotte, and, and Lou Holtz's granddaughter works in that program. Love it. So, uh, yeah, it's just great. Hey, great man, you stuff. know, you'd never understand, understand how many players can imitate their coaches. Like, it's always <laughs> one on your team, like, Man, do it, do it, do it. Like, and you got it. You had to be that dude on the team. Everybody's man. that dude on the team. And, and you almost feel cheap because it's so easy. But, yeah. like, it's, it's easy money. You got to go it. You got to yeah. do it. Got to do it. All right, so this is where we trans, uh, transition with Aaron Taylor, too. What's your reaction when you see Brian Kelly in these really tight areas, like, dancing with players and stuff? Man, I want to go take a shower. <laughs> Like, like I, this I, wasn't supposed to go this yeah, way. Yeah, it's not, that's not supposed to happen, and I'm not supposed to be this captivated yeah. by it. Like, I, I cannot not watch it. Yeah. And I keep Multiple watching times. it. Multiple yeah. times. And I'm like, yeah. I keep watching yeah. it. Yeah. My wife's looking at me like, what the hell are you doing? I'm like, I can't stop watching. I don't know. what What's happening? Right. I'm so uncomfortable. Um, man, like, uh, I, man, I don't know what deal BK's made with the devil, but he's like, screw it. I'm going to sell my soul to the devil. We're going to win two national championships. I'm going to hump a little kids in a 360, and we're going to ride off into the sunset. That's it. That's it. It's just 
crazy because like he seems so much different in this stuff than he yeah. ever was at, at Notre Dame. And, and, and the southern accent. Oh, but my family. Yeah, my, How are my family doing? That's what did. I had the boudang and the the chitlins and the 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 crabfish etouffee. Man, like. I've never, and I've been guilty of this. I think this is human nature. Like, for any of us to be successful at anything, we have to be our authentic selves. Yeah. So when we try to be or become something other than we are, mm-hmm. we're just going to come up short. And I'm as guilty of that at times in my life as anybody else. So when I watch what's going on with BK, I'm like, dang, <laughs> bro. Reel it back in because he has been excellent and exceptional about delivering messages and about, you know, the way that he speaks publicly, like he could walk into a kitchen with a knife in his hand and there's a dead body on the floor. He'd be like, BK, did you do it? He'd be like, well, let me talk about this. And he'd, <laughs> and he'd talk his way out of it. But like, he's down there like the old guy in the club at 2.30 when the light's on, you know, with these recruits. And it's like, what are you doing? But I, who knows? The last three head coaches have won national championships, Ed O., uh, Less Miles, and mm-hmm. I think BK is at least as good, if not quite a bit better, coaching both those dudes. Right. So who knows, man? The Tigers probably won it all for three straight years. So what's your message, uh, Aaron Taylor, walking around uh, Radio Road today? Oh, uh, man, football's a people game. Yeah. Like, we're all here. We want to see great skilled players and defenses and Aaron Donald and all that stuff, Joey Burrow. But, like, what the essence of our sport is people. It's laughing. It's conversations. It's the rides home in the bus after mm-hmm. the game or yep. the practice. And Jim McMahon, who's rolling up in here in a wheelchair because he's got something going on with his foot. We were together in Green Bay and won this ring together. Um Kyle Turley and Robert Gallery, all these different offensive linemen, and, and Ryan Harris, who's now in the media, was a great player at Denver and the Pittsburgh Steelers and from Notre Dame, and he was a, a mentee of mine. Like, I was working with ABC and went to interview him because he was a Muslim kid at Notre Dame, and he was this biracial mixed Muslim kid at Notre Dame. It was wow. like, let's do a story on that. Yeah. And we stayed in contact, so... Like, what's great about this is we get to laugh, we get to tell some stories, we also get to talk about some things that matter all around the greatest game ever created. I love it. Aaron Taylor with us on 3HL. Hey, great to see you, man. Appreciate you. Well done on the Lou Holtz, man. That, that might, that that might pop on. back up on the show. Oh, know. man. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> get some licensing rights. <laughs> At Aaron Taylor, CFB. Give him a follow. Thank you, buddy. Thank you. All right, there you go. When we come back, Coach Mack will join us. We'll talk uh, We'll talk X's and O's, talk some ball with Coach Mack next. 3HL on Radio Row at uh, Los Angeles. Thanks to Ferguson, HVAC, to Rivers Ford, and a moment's peace. Salon today's spot. We'll be right back. 3HL, 104.5 The Zone.